Welcome to the Smart Money Tribe podcast. I'm your host, RSA. I'm the founder of smartmoneyafrica.org, a financial education platform tailored to the African millennial woman. But I'm probably best known as the author of two best-selling personal finance books, The Smart Money Woman and The Smart Money Tribe. I love having money conversations that encourage African women to think bigger and become the chief financial officers of their own personal economies. This podcast is a weekly show that will focus on powerful conversations, stories, and practical lessons that teach African millennial women how to make money, keep money, and grow money. Hey, people. So, last week was a trying week. You know one of those weeks that tests you, tests your patience, everything you stand for, and you're just like, Father Lord, why? Is my life in Nigeria movie? My book, The Small Money Tribe, my second book, has been pirated. And they're doing it on a very large scale. So I've been tagged in pictures from Ted Roshua Market to Idumota to Yaba to Aja, Jakonde. And basically, I found out that they're doing this on a very large scale. People are buying the pirated copies in Accra. They're buying it in Abuja, Lagos, and God knows where else. So to say the least, there's been a lot of emotional turmoil because it took me a year and a half to write my first book. It took me a year and nine months to write my second book. And these books are both self-published and produced in Africa. Now, the thing is, when you buy the pirated copy of Michelle Obama's book on the streets of Lagos, you know it's pirated because the price is very cheap, right? But the thing is, it's bad, but Michelle Obama has already made her money in America because there are structures in place that facilitate monetizing her story. But in Africa, when you buy the pirated work of an African author or an African creative, you're doing real severe damage because you're taking food from that person's table. Now, in Africa, we do not have national bookstores. We don't have bookstores across the country. We have tiny bookstores, so it's very difficult for you to scale um, books, right? Now, what I had to do was think about creative ways to leverage on other people's distribution channels to be able to make the book, you know, commercially successful. But what they're doing is hampering that. And um, it does make you question if Nigerians or Africans really care about us telling our stories, right? Because we say we want our stories to be heard, but when you engage in piracy, when you support the pirates as opposed to supporting the artists, what you're really doing is discouraging people from investing in publishing African stories, in writing African stories, because if it's no longer lucrative, if it's no longer a source of income, it becomes difficult to devote that kind of time towards doing it. So I seriously considered if I wanted to continue to write, if this was something I wanted to continue to do. But you know what? (laughs) I bumped into something, a story that reminded me of my why and reminded me of my mission and just made me realize that, yes, Arisa, this is hard. There are going to be obstacles, but you're going to fight. You're going to fight because... There are going to be little girls who come after you, who want to write books, who want to be successful authors. And 
you know, even if I don't do it for me, at least let me do it for them. Let me shout on the top of my lungs about why piracy is bad. Let me encourage people to, you know, see the perspective of the author. Because a lot of people think that it's about price. But what these people are doing is discouraging people from producing in Africa because they're producing in China and coming to compete with African production, right? And even if I decided to reduce the hardcover um, price to a thousand naira or five hundred naira, I still wouldn't be able to compete with their informal distribution channels because they're basically selling to people in traffic on the streets, right? I wouldn't be able to compete with that. So if you want to help, please contact us because I think that maybe a way around this might be these pirates, if you know them, I beg, let them know. They should come and pay a licensing fee. If you want to print the paperback of my book, you know, and make money off it, no problem, but pay a licensing fee. You don't get to steal my intellectual property and sell it in broad daylight. So what I've essentially done is I've created demand on Instagram for other people to leverage on. Now, maybe this is also a good time to talk about the piracy of my first book, The Small Money Woman. So with that one, it was digitally pirated. So they cracked the first, the ebook, and they started selling it to people on WhatsApp, sending it via email. So everyone who read it via email, via WhatsApp, you owe me money. You really do. So if you feel guilty, please find other ways to support me because you owe me money. If the book helped you and you didn't pay me, you owe me money, honey. <laughs> so fix it. Fighting all of that is very discouraging. It's very discouraging. So the book is going to go on BAM Books um, this month so that people who want to read it cheaply can stream the book on BAM Books, an African platform where you can legally read African authors. Anyway, I got confirmation this week um, when I bumped into a story um, from a lady that I had helped years ago. So she was one of my first, you know, coaching clients. So I'll read her story. A few years ago, I was in seemingly insurmountable debt. I was out of a job and trying to make ends meet. Needless to say, the situation looked really bleak and I stumbled on an article Arisa Ugu wrote. I sent her an email detailing all my troubles and to be honest, I wasn't expecting her to reply, but she did and I must say sending that email was the best decision of my adult life. Wow. There was no judgment. She didn't even blink at the figure that was my debt and the first thing she said was to forgive myself. What's done is done. Let's move on. She sent me a debt repayment plan, gave me advice on possible ways to earn more, cut costs and pay down the debt. At first, I thought, Nimu, not so easy, but I started implementing. It was frigging hard, but there was a plan, and I did my best to stick to that plan. Listen, when I saw this, I thought that I just felt, oh my God, God is talking to me. God is saying, don't stop. It's just an obstacle. It reminded me of why I was placed here to help women be financially fearless, African women be financially fearless. And I remember this situation very well. I basically created a debt repayment plan for her and told her that, okay, yes, you're out of a job, but what skills do you have that you can monetize to create an income to start to pay off this debt? And we started to talk through that and work through that. And listen, now she has arguably the 
best moi moi in Lagos. Her name is Damlola Itoy Toy. Um, her business is called at Caesar's Feast on Instagram. Her food is delicious, honestly. Like, and every time I see that, see how she's thriving as a businesswoman, I'm so proud. Every time my friends tell me that they order from her, aha, Moimo is amazing. I'm just so proud. And just that feeling of fulfillment that your work actually, you know, it matters, it's important because it helps people. So don't let obstacles um, stop you. And then as if <laughs> the universe was conspiring to make sure that I did not stop writing or I did not stop working or I was not discouraged, I got another message from um, a lady talking about debt. So I decided that this week's episode should be about tackling debt. So how to slay a debt. Um, so I'll read you her message. She said, Dear Arisa, my name is Vivian. I'm a teacher. My salary is quite small, but it gives me time. And one of my 2019 goals was to start a side hustle to help me increase my money. Since I went to makeup school two years ago, I decided to open a makeup studio. I took loans from two of my colleagues at work to add to my savings and started in January 2020. I employed an assistant to cover for me while I was at work and then COVID happened in March. I was supposed to be paying monthly, but I couldn't because no revenue from the business. Now people are dragging me for their money and I don't know what to do. Please, can you teach me how to manage this? See, debt can be such a tricky thing. And I'm so sorry for Vivian because obviously she had the right intentions. She was trying to use debt to attain um, a financial goal, right? And it was a laudable cause. Because often when we think about debt, you're usually coaching people out of, you know, consumer debt, paying for things that their incomes can't support, right? So there's good debts and there's bad debts. With good debt, wealthy people know that they can use debt to leverage their investments and grow their cash flows. So debt is essentially a tool that you use to purchase assets that can pay you an income and have the possibility of appreciating value in the future, right? Now, broke people use debt to buy things that make rich people richer. They use debt to buy big ticket items that their incomes can't support, right? So it's a constant cycle. But even with good debt, like in Vivian's case, it can be tricky. It can go wrong. So my first tip is confront your debt. Calculate your debt to income ratio. So your total debt, everything you owe as compared to your income. So for example, if you earn 100,000 naira and your debt is 50,000, your debt to income ratio is 0.5. So if you earn 100,000 and you owe 250,000, your debt to income ratio is 2.5. So the higher your debt ratio is, the more of an indication it is, you know, that your income can't support the debt. So a good debt to income ratio is around 0.35. Well, 0.35 and below. So you should use this as a future benchmark for how much debt you're comfortable with taking going forward. So it's a good benchmark. Knowing what your debt to income ratio gives you a good benchmark to see how much debt your income can support and give you guidelines you know, you know, where your comfort level is. Now, number two, you need to acknowledge, review, and interrogate all the behaviors, the thinking, and the decisions that got you into debt in the first place, right? Otherwise, if you don't review them, you end up 
back in the same place that you're trying to get out of. I'll use the teacher's case as an example of how to review and interrogate um, the decisions that got you into debt in the first place, right? So, in my opinion, there was a mismatch because she was taking on short-term loans to grow a potentially long-term asset, which is her business. Let me explain. So you see private equity firms, when they want to invest in businesses, they usually have a five to seven year time horizon, right? Because it takes a while for a business to really start to make money, right? If you even look at the statistics that say that small businesses tend to fail within the first two years, right? Because they're not making enough profit or they have cash flow issues. You realize that even without COVID, there was also a possibility that the teacher could have started that business and there wouldn't have been enough customers coming through the door to be able to cover the debt and the cost of the debt, right? So you can see that there was a mismatch because she used short-term loans to grow a long-term asset and those short-term loans had to be paid back monthly. Meanwhile, her business might take a way longer time to start making enough money to cover the debt. Now, I'm pointing this mismatch out, right? But I'll say that I also understand because I'm not, I'm not going to knock it because as an African entrepreneur myself, I know what the struggles are with regards to access to capital and access to cheap capital even. So we tend to take it from where we can get it because it is what it is and sometimes needs must. However, it's important for you to understand that you have this mismatch in the first place because... That way, you could create like a scenario A, scenario B, scenario C. So in the event that my revenue does not meet this amount to be able to cover the debt, what's plan B? What's plan C, right? So it's something to watch out for. And in the teacher's case, I feel like she could have approached attaining this financial goal in a different way. It might have taken longer, but she wouldn't have been in debt now, right? So if she had gone the bootstrapping way where she was doing home service, because obviously with with her teaching job, she has more flexible hours doing home service and using that to, to A, grow her clientele and raise money that she can use to open her shop front, right? So worst case scenario, when COVID happened, it would have been a sunken cost because she would have had no debt, but the money would have been stuck in the shop front and money wouldn't have been coming in, but she wouldn't have had people on her neck, right? And doing it the other way, if she bootstrapped and focused on home service and growing her clientele, it might have even solved the problem in the scenario where even when COVID didn't happen, even though it was a new store, she would have a steady stream of customers coming in because she would have already built her client base from doing home service and freelancing first before um, she decided to open the store, right? Um, another thing that I think that you should look at in terms of the behaviors um, and decisions that get you into debt is even if you're taking on debt for a business, even if it's good debt, it can be tricky, right? So you need to ask yourself, the cash flows um that I'm going to get from the business, can it cover the cost of the debt and the debt? Most people run into trouble because they overestimate their projected cash flows. So they're too excited. And it's great to be excited about, you know, the prospects of your new business. 
but it's better to be conservative with the numbers because if you use your worst case scenario to predict numbers, then you're in a better position than if you use your best case scenario because you'll be able to pay back the debt based off of the worst case. And if you make your mid case or best case numbers, then you're golden, right? So it's important to look at all the different things. And in everybody's situation, it'll be different. In this situation, I'm just speaking to the story that the teacher has sent me. In everybody's situation, these behaviors or these decisions will be different. This episode is brought to you by Wealth.ng. Wealth.ng is a self-service investment marketplace based in Nigeria. It acts as a one-stop shop for all your investment needs from the convenience of your phone or laptop. They give you access to a bouquet of investments that range from treasury bills, stocks and bonds to agri-products. Download the Wealth.ng app to find out more. Now, the third thing is make a debt repayment plan. So make a list of all your debts, who you owe, how much you owe, how long it will take you to pay. Then you need to prioritize your debts, right? And decide which one you're going to pay first. So decide what has the most urgency. And again, it depends situation by situation. In some cases, you might decide that you want to pay the debt with the highest interest first, right? Because it will be the most expensive to pay off the longer you hold it for. In some cases, you might want to start with the smallest debt first because it helps you to build momentum. Um, in other cases, now who they press your neck pass? Who is calling your phone? Who is blowing up your line as in for their money? Like that's probably who you want to pay first for peace of mind, right? But you need a debt repayment plan, a schedule that helps you see what to do um, when. And I know that people are usually um, skeptical <laughs> when they hear debt repayment plan because it's like, eh, who be fool? So I'll write a debt repayment plan. Will I magically be able to pay it? No. But your debt repayment plan helps you to see very clearly your debt in its entirety and then break it up into chunk and think about a plan to work um, your debt or to repay your debt. Now, most people, they're like, Yimu, I know how much I owe. I'm calculating it in my head. Trust me, when you're calculating it in your head, it's very different to when you're seeing it in black and white on paper and you've worked out how you're going to repay it and you're actively and aggressively doing so, right? With momentum. Trust me, that it's, you take your power back. Most people get into debt and they're avoiding the people that they're owing. They're not picking up their phone. They don't want to look at messages and they're avoiding it, right? But avoiding it does not make it go away magically. Not picking up phone calls does not make it go away. It's still going to be there. Some people think, I think there's no need to write it down. I'll think it's in my head. When I make the money in here, I'll pay. Maybe when I pay, as in they will stop making noise or they'll stop disturbing me. Sis, listen, it's best to have a debt repayment plan, right? And then use that debt repayment plan to have a conversation with the people that you owe to say, listen, things are tight to, and I know you're angry, but this is how I'm going to pay off. Some people are not reasonable when it comes to money, right? And that's okay. Debt repayment is not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be um, a painless thing. You have to come up with a debt repayment plan that, yes, it will stress you, but it will help you effectively pay off the debt um, as quickly as possible in a way that does not stress out the people that you are owing too much, right? 
they'll probably be angry. It probably won't change anything. But again, it's your attitude towards the payment. So the cocoa of the matter is, okay, you, you have the plan now. How are you going to raise the cash to pay back? So I have a few tips. One, reduce the expenses that you have. So look at your budget and see how you can slash expenses ruthlessly to create cash in your budget that you can use to pay off the debt aggressively. Again, I know that it's not easy, but you are in debt. Now you they owe. It's not meant to be comfortable. If you want peace of mind, the sooner the better. So whatever you need to cut out so that you can create an income to pay off the debt, do it. Think about all the valuable items that you have that you can sell to pay off. So think about what you can sell, whether it's your things in your wardrobe, whether it's your car, whatever it is. Think about what you can sell off to pay off your debt. Then find ways to monetize your skills that don't require additional capital. In this teacher's case, my suggestion is create packages um, that teaches kids via Zoom, especially kids who are um, writing exams, who have, there are loads of kids that have entrance exams right now, right? And I feel like there are loads of parents who are looking for help, who are looking for assistance to prepare their kids um, for exams remotely, right? You can market this on Instagram and whatnot. Or you can start doing home service for content creators. I know a lot of content creators are still doing makeup in these, in these COVID times because um, they still have to create content. A debt repayment planner gives you the tools that you need to, create, to pay off your debt. But you also have to motivate yourself. Because I think that paying off debt can be very overwhelming and mind-bending for that matter. It can be scary, as in, but the real secret ingredient is going to be your ginger. Your ability to approach this with a level of enthusiasm and motivating yourself like to pay off the debt, right? Because if you lose your mind, you've lost everything. If you're afraid of the debt, if you're avoiding the debt, you've lost everything, right? It's going to be about your attitude. It's not supposed to be easy. It's hard, but it's going to be about your attitude to the, to, um, it's going to be about your attitude to confronting the debt. So take your power back. If you're struggling with debt, you should sign up for my Smart Money 30-day challenge. It starts on the 13th of July, but registration for it ends on July 12th. Now, this is how it works, right? You see how money is such an overwhelming thing. If I said fix your finances, it's like, right, it's such a big thing. There's so many aspects of your finances that you want to fix, but you don't know how to, where to start or you procrastinate on those goals and all that. The idea for the Smart Money 30-Day Challenge is for us to challenge ourselves, right? So I'm doing this too. <laughs> so I will send you one financial task every day for 30 days. So I will send you one financial task every day for 30 days to your inbox. So you get it via email and you take one action step towards fixing your finances every single day for 30 days, right? You will also get three smart money toolkits for debt, budgeting, and investing. And you will get weekly group coaching calls. So every single week, I'll answer questions via group coaching calls and we'll talk through the activities that we've done um, that week. So I'm super excited. 
please visit smartmoneyafrica.org to sign up or click on the link in my bio on Instagram um, and click on the third Smart Money 30-Day Challenge. So if you follow me on Instagram at smartmoneyarese, smartmoney, A-R-E-S-E, you click on the link in my bio on the Smart Money 30-Day Challenge, you pay, register, and join us on the 13th of July. I'm really, really excited. Um, And you can join from anywhere. Like, you don't have to be um, in Nigeria. You can join from anywhere. So the three key takeaways from this episode were, one, confront your debt. Calculate your debt-to-income ratio. Two, acknowledge, review, and interrogate the behaviors and thinking that got you into debt in the first place so that you don't go back. Number three, take your power back by creating a debt repayment plan and aggressively working it. I hope you found this episode helpful. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Smart Money Tribe podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm super excited about creating financial content for African millennial women who want to live a fabulous life, but also want to learn how to find the balance between spending on their lifestyle needs and building assets that could protect their financial futures.